Can we still wish you a happy new year right now? This is Adashina Koike, and once again, you're listening to the A Lot of Sports Talk podcast. This is episode number 16, but our first episode in the year of 2015. That's why we wanted to wish you a happy new year, despite the fact that I may very well be the last person to be wishing you a happy 2015. But if you have been following us on a lot of sports talk.com, you will have seen that we have been covering college basketball wall to wall. We've been on location at least one time a week covering some of the top games in college basketball. We've had written recaps of those games as well as on-court interviews with players and coaches. And our coverage of college basketball is going to continue to and through March Madness and then culminates in Tampa, Florida in early April for the 2015 NCAA Women's Final Four. We had such a great time last year covering the Final Four in Nashville, Tennessee, and we are sure to have a great time in Tampa, Florida covering the Women's Final Four in 2015. But that's college basketball. This podcast, episode 16 on the A Lot of Sports Talk podcast, focuses on basketball and hockey. And on the ice, one of the surprise teams so far in the National Hockey League has been the Calgary Flames. Currently second place in the Pacific Division. They have not made the playoffs in each of the past five years, but well in position to break that drought. And joining us on the A Lot of Sports Talk podcast, one of the best young defensemen in the National Hockey League, T.J. Brody, ranking in the top five in plus-minus in the NHL and actually leads all defensemen in plus-minus. T.J. Brody joins us for this podcast. We talk about why the Calgary Flames have done so well and exceeded expectations in this 2014-2015 season so far. And I also asked TJ about playing in front of his dad. The dads of the Calgary Flames players currently traveling with the team as part of the father's trip that the dads make with their team and watching their sons play professionally. So I asked TJ about that special experience playing in front of his dad. But our first interview on the A Lot of Sports Talk podcast for episode number 16 is with an NBA legend. Now, of course, the NBA All-Star Game on Sunday at Madison Square Garden. And there are so many fan events going on in New York City and in each of the five boroughs that make up New York City. And we catch up with nine-time NBA All-Star, four-time NBA scoring champion, and Hall of Famer George Gervin. Yes, we caught up with the Iceman himself. He is still part of the San Antonio community as well as with the San Antonio Spurs. And I talk with George Gervin and ask him about what impresses him the most about the current crop of San Antonio Spurs players and the core of those players that have brought home five championships to the Alamo City since 1999. I also ask him about his playing career and most importantly, I ask him where he originated his finger roll. Where did it start? And a very interesting answer that George Gervin gave us in terms of how he crafted and perfected his patented shot, the finger roll. So our interview with George Gervin coming up in a couple of seconds after that, our interview with Calgary Flames defenseman TJ Brody. So enjoy the interviews right now, and we will see you at the very end of the show. 
2015 NBA All-Star Game is upon us here in New York City, and the stars of today and the stars of yesteryear are descending upon the Big Apple. And joining us right now, one of the legends of the National Basketball Association and the ABA as well, Hall of Famer George Gervin, the master of the finger roll, the Iceman. First of all, George, thank you so very much for joining us. And um, how are you enjoying the uh, NBA House event here in Long Island University and being back in New York? It's fun, man. I mean, you know, it's early. Um, I got in yesterday, so today's Thursday, and you know, the the big events start Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. So I'm looking forward to you know a great All Star weekend here in New York. Uh, what were your memories of All Star weekends with the ABA and the NBA as well? Was it something where you wanted to put on a show? Was there more pride with Western Conference versus Eastern Conference? So take me through the days when you were an All Star in two different professional leagues. Well, I guess you said it right. Pride. I mean, we wanted to beat each other. You know, I, I think um, our fan base back then really enjoyed us really competing, and I, you know, and that's how we played. Um, you know, it changed a little bit in in this era, you know, where the guys really don't play as hard. They, you know, they it's more of a show, entertainment, than it was competitiveness. Um, they compete in the last quarter if the if the game is close. But other than that, you know, it's, it's, it's a fun event for them. But different culture, you know, different way of thinking. Uh, you know, but it's still wonderful, and I, I enjoy being a part of it. Do you think there will be a time in the future where the All-Star Games will get just as competitive as the All-Star Games uh, that you have played? I doubt it. I mean, uh, I think they've crossed that line now that it's just all about entertainment. And, you know, and that's maybe what the people want to see. They just want to be entertained. Um, so, you know, you got to kind of go with what it is, you know. Um, and, and hopefully I'll be a part of it to, you know, just to, to see if it changed one day. But I, I don't see it in the distant future. Once again, George Gervin joining us here in New York City, getting ready for the All-Star Game and All-Star Weekend. How closely do you still maintain your ties with the, with the city of San Antonio and the San Antonio community? No, I'm still in San Antonio. I've been there 40 years. I'm still with the organization in the front office. They take unbelievable care of me. Um, I'm still part of the family atmosphere there. Um, you know, I, I started my own program because I worked in community relations so long with the Spurs. I started my own youth center. I got two charter schools. Uh, so I, I'm entrenched in San Antonio, loving. Um, it's a winning city. It's a winning franchise, and we got some unbelievable people down in San Antonio. Of the current San Antonio Spurs crop four uh, NBA championships, the defending NBA champions, and you obviously have been close to the Spurs, literally weaved in to the Spurs community and franchise for so long. During this run since 1999, of all of the impressive feats and all of the impressive moments, what has been the most impressive part about the Spurs' consistent success from 1999 on? Like the most impressive thing, or if you can limit it to one thing. Well, you know, I think since 99 when they when they won it with David and, and Tim, and then I think they won it again while David was still there, you know, the, it wasn't much of a system. You know, I think uh, Pop learned from them two championships that he needs to create a system for the guys to play up under and bring in guys that would play to that system, and I think that's been successful for him. Um, 
He bring in guys that understand what it takes to be a winner, and they buy into it. And you have to give him a lot of credit with his leadership, and you give RC a lot of credit for bringing in guys that understand that. Is there a part of you that is a little bit surprised still that Tim Duncan coming into the league, I believe in 1997, is still producing at an all-star level here in 2014-2015? Well, I think you get a lot of credit to the leadership again where Pop don't wear him out. You know, uh, you know, we still win 50 games a year, and, you know, Tim is not wore out. You know, Tim played 20-some minutes, you know, uh, a game. So when it comes down to... The money time and the second season, everybody is fresh. So, again, you got to give him, Pop, a lot of credit for understanding that, that it's two seasons. It's the season that you jockey for positions to get in the playoff, and then there's World Championship basketball season where you get the big gold, you know, big golden trophy. So, I think uh, Tim being able to be in a system like that, man, make it – him have a lot of longevity as far as still, you know, being able to stay in play. Once again, George Gervin joining us, and of course, being such a great player for so many years. And what was your mentality when you got out onto the court to play, first of all, in the ABA with all the great players, and then the merger into the NBA? Uh, for those that got to see you in highlights instead of necessarily seeing you uh, play in your prime or just play, uh, when you took the court every day, what was the number one focus for you on the court? Beat whoever was playing against me. That's always was my mentality. A lot of the defenses were designed to stop me. My goal was to make it not happen. You know, you, you would put the toughest defensive guys on me. So I knew I had to be ready every night. So I prepared myself mentally and I stayed in shape and I stayed tuned up because I love practicing. I love working on my game. And when it was time to do my thing, I was ready. And I had all the confidence in the world that I could get it done. So all of the preparation and, I guess, a little bit of a chip on your shoulder was the main reason why at least scoring was so easy for you on the court. Well, I was fundamentally sound, you know. I mean, being fundamentally sound, I can add a lot of dimensions to my game. And I shot 51% career. And I was a big-time scorer, so I'm proud of that, man. Uh, you know, I can, what they say, I had the green light. So if I got the green light, I can shoot when I want to. So I tried not to take bad shots. And, and of course, there was the legendary uh, scoring title race with yourself and uh, David Thompson. Uh, going down the end of that season, um, how important was it for you? How important do you think it was for David to win that scoring title? Was it fun? Was it stressful uh, in terms of going back and forth with David that year? Well, I mean, you know, I, I led the league in scoring all that year. And David took it from me the last game of the season. So me knowing that I needed 59 in order to regain my scoring title, I think was an incredible feat for me. And I couldn't have got it done without my teammates having that kind of respect for me and, and wanting me to have my first scoring title since I led it all year. And they got me the basketball and, you know, and I went to work, you know. So I, I got that 20 the first quarter and got that 33 the second. And, you know, I was on my way um, to have 53 at half and all I needed was 59 to get my, my first title. So, um, 
that was kind of incredible. I couldn't have done it without the relationship I had with my teammates. Do you believe that with the three-point shot, at least in the NBA, if that was incepted before 1979, that you would have had more points? Did you have the range to shoot 23, 24, 25 feet out? Well, I wasn't a three-point shooter, you know, so I really couldn't, really wouldn't or couldn't say that I could have got more because of the way I shot. I, I'm an in-between shooter. I shot for a percentage. I shot because I knew I could make over 50% of them. So that's kind of what I believed in. Um, I was in a zone. Um, you know, I needed, um, I knew what I needed. Um, I got it done, and I sat down. So I ended up getting 63 points in 33 minutes. And, you know, for me, that, that's what the game was for. We was already set. We already knew we was in the playoffs. So it was a game that you can kind of throw away, you know, to give me an opportunity to win my first scoring title. And, to me, that's something special, man, that my, my teammates and my coach would give me that opportunity to do that. Your teammates, as you continue to harp on, were very special to you. Any couple of teammates with the Spurs, you've had some, you had some great runs uh, during the ABA and NBA days. A couple of teammates uh, that really stand out in terms of being someone that you really appreciated as a teammate. Well, you know, I appreciate all my teammates. Um, I think... When we got Artis Gilmore in, it really gave us a chance, um, you know, to win it all. Um, you know, I think about James Silas, um, you know, Mike Mitchell, um, you know, Larry Keenan, uh, you know, Johnny Moore. Me and Johnny Moore, he led the league in assists, and I led it in scoring. I mean, I had some great guys that I played with, man. Uh, it's unfortunate that we didn't win an NBA championship, but, you know, it was only one team could win it, and it just wasn't us. Is there an NBA player or NBA players currently that you believe that when you watch them maybe emulate you a little bit in terms of your mid-range game and or just NBA players that you admire watching for their game? Well, I like a lot of the guys. I don't think nobody out there like me, you know, um, you know, and I say that with a lot of confidence. Um, you know, they talk about Kevin Durant being similar. Um, I think Kevin Durant is similar just on how he looked. He's tall, skinny. Put the ball on the floor, can shoot the ball, but we got different type games. Um, he don't have the same tools and weapons that I had, um, you know, when I played. But what he do have, he got some greatness, and he can put the ball in the hole. So um, there's a lot of guys I admire: Dwayne Wade, Kobe, you know, LeBron, uh, you know, my man Tim, uh, Tony Parker. You know, there's a lot of guys that I admire, and um, um, still look at playing uh, my. Probably my favorite right now who entertains me the most is Steph Curry. You know, uh, he puts on a show every night, man. Um, I, I really, uh, he played like the old school, like the Pearl and Jimmy Walker and Tiny, you know. Uh, that's fun to watch. And obviously everyone that is a basketball fan knows you on the court uh, for your finger roll, obviously. And uh, it might be the upteeth time that you've had to answer this question, but where did the finger roll come from? And at the same time, there are players in the 80s and 90s and today that still emulate the shot that uh, made you famous, one of the things that made you famous. So where did that shot come from? Now does it feel to see uh, players um, well after you finish your playing career still um, emulate and uh, apply that shot? What well, fun for me because anytime somebody's 
do a similar shot, they'll call it a finger roll. All of them have finger rolls. I, I really get disappointed when I hear some of the announcers say he finger rolled when it really was a scoop shot. I had the finger roll. I'm not the developer of the finger roll. If you go back in history, Will Chamberlain had his own version of the finger roll. Connie Hawkins had his own version. Julius Irvin had his own version. I watched all them guys. I emulated them guys, and I developed my own finger roll. I the one made the finger roll famous, but I am not the one that created the finger roll. Listen, there were, you know, the big players had to do it, at least in college, because there was the uh, dunking band, yeah. <laughs> dunking yeah. band, but then your finger rolls would be more further out. So yeah, well, I, I created my own, you know, um, but I wasn't the one, I didn't have to invent a wheel. The wheel was already invented. All I had to do is look at some legends that did it before me. And I emulated and put my style on it, and you know, and my style became famous. And your style will live on forever and ever in NBA and basketball circles in general. George Gervin, the Iceman, it has been a pleasure talking with you. Have fun the rest of your time here in New York City. And again, thank you so much for taking out the time to talk with us. Truly a pleasure. Thank you. There have been a few surprises in the 2014-2015 NHL season, and one of the surprises, in a positive way, resides in the province of Alberta. The Calgary Flames having a great season so far, second place in the Pacific Division right now in the thick of the playoff race, and one of the main reasons why the Flames are doing so well this season, a high-production defense unit, one of the league leaders in terms of points from defensemen. And joining us right now on the A Lot of Sports Talk podcast is the player who leads the NHL in plus minus amongst defensemen, TJ Brody, one of the two people on the number one pairing for the Calgary Flames defense. TJ, thank you so very much for joining us. And how are you doing today? I'm doing good, yeah. Uh Doing well. Thank you very much. Uh, the last game that you played against the San Jose Sharks, you won that game in San Jose. Uh, your fathers, uh, the, many of the fathers of the Calgary Flame players uh, were in San Jose watching the game, part of the annual father's trip uh, that uh, your team has with the fathers of the players watching the game. How is it to be playing hockey as a professional in front of your dad and other dads of your teammates? Yeah, you know, it's uh it's pretty special to to be able to have them come on the trip with us and um you know, I think uh most of them played growing up and, and obviously uh you know, uh it's always a dream for, for young kids when they're when they're playing to, to make it professionally and um you know, I think to for them to have the chance to to watch us um succeed and to watch us play and and uh see our dreams come true, I think it's uh it's big for them. Do you have uh, flashbacks, maybe, of when you were younger, playing in front of your dad and playing in front of your parents? Um, yeah, you know, I used to. Uh, he was actually my coach, uh, pretty much my whole uh, minor hockey career, and um, you know, he uh, he's always uh, hard, uh, a little bit harder on me, I think, than, than the other kids. But um, you know, I think that I think that helped out in the long run, and um, you know, they. My parents have always been uh, real supportive, and and they've they've always done done everything they could to to make sure that I they had the the opportunities and the chance to play, and and um, you know whether that was you know long drives or um, taking time off work to to make sure I got to the rink. Um, you know I think with 
without that and without without them, I definitely wouldn't be here today. Once again, TJ Brody of the Calgary Flames joining us. Is there any uh, father of any of the players on the team that stands out in terms of personality uh, when you hang around uh, a lot of them? Um, yeah, you know, there's there's always uh, there's always a couple, um, you know, in, in the group, and um, you know they're here to have, to have fun and and uh, you know they're enjoying themselves, and you know it's 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 pretty interesting to see the. The difference between some of the dads and the and the kids, and um, you know how they they may not be uh, dad alike and uh, personality wise. Is there and, is there any you know, uh, like, is there any specific um, father son combination where you say, "Wow, one's not necessarily like the other"? Um, no, there's a, there's a couple that are that are just uh, you know the dads may be more talkative than the kids, or the, the the kids might be more more talkative than the dads. Um, hmm. Yeah, I think maybe part of that is is the dads just um, you know starting to get comfortable around each other and and uh, you know starting to get to know each other too. Uh, once again, TJ Brody of the Calgary Flames joining us, second place in the Pacific Division, and I know one of the players on the team, Curtis Glencross, recently talked about needing to close the deal in terms of making a playoff spot. It's been five seasons since uh, the Calgary Flames have made the playoffs. Uh, is there? Is the talk pervasive in the locker room about needing to finish the deal to make the playoffs, or do you just take it one game at a time? Um, you know, it's a little bit of both. Um, you know, I think, I think, uh, you know, obviously the main goal is to to make playoffs, but at the same time, you can't look you can't look too far ahead of yourself. Um, you know, it's um, the only way to make playoffs is to to take it one game at a time, and and. Um, you know, make sure that the next game is the, the most important game. And, um, you know, right now, uh, you know, we, we want to have the attitude that we never give up, uh, no matter what the, the score is or the situation. And, and so far, it's it helped us uh, come back from quite a few uh, deficits this year and, and end up winning the games. With the game that you just played against San Jose, a 4-1 victory, you have Los Angeles coming up, Vancouver after that, uh, also games against the Minnesota Wild and um the Anaheim Ducks in a couple of weeks. Do these feel sort of like playoff games playing against all these teams that are bunched up in the middle of the Western Conference? Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, all these all these games have been uh, have been big, and, and the ones coming up are big for us. Uh, you know, whether we're we're behind a team or, or in front of a team, the the games might give us a little bit of separation from from other teams, and you know, it's so tight that um, if you lose a game and, and another team wins, then you you switch spots and and that type of thing. So every every game's important from here on out. Uh, the Flames, your team is one of the youngest teams uh, in the National Hockey League. In a way, is that a positive in the sense that there may not be as much wear and tear, or maybe an ignorance is bliss uh, in terms of fighting for a playoff spot? Or do you think you guys have the right mix of youth and experience on your team? Um. Yeah, you know, I think I think we've got a pretty good mix of that. Um, our, our leaders are our key guys, and and um, you know they've they've showed us the way. And uh, whether it's off the ice or, or on the ice, um, you know, with, with uh, good attitudes and work habits, and um, we want to bring the the youth to the game and and make it uh, you know high energy game and and bring our speed and our skills. And um, so far, that's that's worked. Uh, speaking of the experience on your team, your captain and uh, defense partner, uh, Mark Giordano, one of the 
leading candidates right now for the Norris Trophy, uh, leading the NHL in points uh, from uh, the from the blue line. Uh, what makes the pairing of yourself and Mark really work on e- on even strength? Um, you know, he's, he's an easy guy to play with, and he's a great player. He he uh, he's definitely the reason uh, why uh, the team's having the, the year that they are. And um, you know, as a pairing, if uh, we want to be be offensive and and create scoring chances and and produce from the back end, and um, having him back there, it, it makes it a little bit easier for me to to jump up, knowing that he's he's covering for me. And if anything does happen, then um, you know, we have faith in each other that that the other guy's going to be back and and be able to to prevent any scoring chances or or odd man rushes. And um, you know, the forwards have been open too as far as back checking. And um, you know, the harder they come back and the the quicker we get turnovers, the the quicker we get on offense. And I think that's been a, a big key this year. So, is it a philosophy that Coach Hartley and the staff has in terms of getting the defensemen involved uh, in the offense? Because your defense has been so lethal in terms of putting up points and goals uh, from the blue line. So, is it anything specific that the coaching staff has really instilled in terms of getting the defensemen really involved in the scoring chances? Um, I think the biggest thing is just uh, giving us the green light to go and and. Um you know, they, they have faith in us that they will make the right reads, whether that's to jump or not to jump. And uh, if we do end up jumping, then, then uh, they, uh, they have faith in us that we'll get back and uh, and be able to, to cover up if anything uh, breaks down on the rush. Uh, in the last 10 games, TJ, your team is excuse me, 7-3, and three. and that was after a little bit of a rough patch uh, that you guys went through right in the middle of the season. Uh, did you feel as if before this stretch of 7 wins in 10 games that you hit a wall? And if so, how did you get out of that funk and get back into your winning ways right now? Yeah, we had a, a tough stretch there. Um, I think we lost uh, 89 in a row. And, um, you know, it's, it's tough once you... Uh, you know, we had a great start to the season, and then uh, uh, we lost a, a couple games in a row. And I think, uh, you know, it's, sometimes it's hard to uh, to not get your stick a little bit too close, knowing that uh, you know we need to to get a win to turn it around. And, um, and I think the biggest thing is that we just got back to, to the way that we were playing, and we were playing uh, you know intense but relaxed at the same time, and, and not forcing things, and um, just playing a, a smarter game with the puck and. It, uh, you know, it worked, and, and it's been uh, good so far. Once again, T.J. Brody joining us. Do you notice the intensity at uh, Scotiabank Saddledome really ratcheting up and picking up as you guys play, knowing that you're uh, just 25, 30 games away from the playoffs and your team possibly being involved in it? So how is the atmosphere at uh, Scotiabank Saddledome, Saddledome in comparison to years past? Yeah, you know, the fans, the fans have always been great there, and um, yeah, I think there's a little bit, uh, a little bit of an extra buzz uh, around the city. Um, you know, fans are getting excited again. Uh, you know, it's been it's been five years since they since we've been in the, the playoffs, so um, you know, it's it's huge for the city for for us to have the the opportunity to, to get into the playoffs, and uh, I think everyone's uh, excited. 
the NHL just came out of its all-star uh, break not too long ago. Baseball is about to start. The NBA is about to go into uh, its all-star break. I know a lot of uh, players, no matter what the sport, follow either teams or players in other sports. Is there any uh, team in another sto- sport or player in another sport that you either follow or support? Um, you know, I don't really have a, a favorite player or uh or team in any other any other sports, but um, you know, obviously we pay attention to the um, to the NFL, and, and um, you know, we watch the highlights and stuff every every morning, and um, you know, it, uh, the the Super Bowl gives us a chance uh, as a team to get together and, and watch the game, and um, you know, I think that team bonding is always always important. Uh, so you probably were just as surprised as I and everybody else how that Super Bowl ended, right? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I think I think a lot of the guys uh, thought that uh, the Seahawks were gonna were gonna win on that last uh, that last rush there, but um, you know, I think uh, for the Pats fans, it worked out great. So um, yeah, it was definitely an exciting game. Uh, one of the best defensemen of the National Hockey League this season, T.J. Brody of the Calgary Flames. T.J., thank you so very much for joining us. Best of luck and success to you and the rest of the Flames going forward. And hopefully uh, you have your uh, playoff beard getting ready. Can you grow a playoff beard if possible? Yeah, I think, uh, I, think I could grow one. Um, <laughs> you know, it's still early, but, uh, you know, uh, hopefully, uh, hopefully we get the chance to. All right, uh, T.J. Brody of the Calgary Flames, thank you so very much for joining us. Again, best of luck and success to you and the Flames in 2014-2015. All right, thanks a lot. Like T.J., I'm still surprised that the New England Patriots pulled out that Super Bowl the way they did at the very, very end of the game. But we do thank T.J. Brody as well as the Iceman, Hall of Famer George Gervin, for joining us on the A Lot of Sports Talk podcast, our 16th edition of the A Lot of Sports Talk podcast, which is wrapping up in another couple of minutes. But make sure to tune in later on this month in February for episode number 17 of the A Lot of Sports Talk podcast. We are lining up guests as we speak. And one of our guests is one of the greatest players in American soccer history. April Heinrichs, the captain of the 1991 United States women's national soccer team that won the inaugural World Cup in China in 1991. She joins us for our next episode, episode number 17, talking about the FIFA Women's World Cup and her experience in the first FIFA Women's World Cup. The latest FIFA Women's World Cup in 2015 starts in June to the neighbors to our north in Canada. And also log on to alotofsportstalk.com where we will have continuing coverage of college basketball. We'll start previewing the 2015 Major League Baseball season and we'll also talk a little softball as well as that season has started as well. And in the next few weeks, we'll have some college hockey talk and news as well. So Thank you so very much for tuning in to the A Lot of Sports Talk podcast. Once again, we don't take you for granted, our listeners, on A Lot of Sports Talk on iTunes. So make sure you tune in for episode number 17, and I'm pretty sure you will tune in next week for episode number 17. This is Adashina Korki. We thank you once again for listening, and you have yourselves a great day. Take care.